coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen. Paul takes his dad to movie night, Hong Kong gets political, and we look at the films The Thieves, Passion Island, and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Tuesday, September 11th, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me right here from his super secret location in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Uh, Hello, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I've got the family in Hong Kong uh, right now as I speak. They're in the other room chatting away and uh making time with uh with the new baby um been a busy week though because uh you know the semester starts next week so i've got a lot of work to get done and i haven't really been able to visit with them as much as i'd like to um but it's nice to have them here and sort of being in that in that family mode at least for a little while um how have you been doing sir i'm pretty good i mean busy busy with work um as i am every day Uh, of course watching lots of movies we had a really huge um release week last week so um i've been watching pretty much catching up on everything in fact i saw some films that we won't even have time to talk about this week yeah there there's a couple out there um what isn't there one with elaine that's out right now yeah the wedding uh, diary yeah, which i did I not wanted catch. to get out and see that um, and i just haven't had I also time caught the, the the french film uh intouchables which has been a huge hit around the world and finally opened in hong kong last week i saw that hmm that was yeah. quite good, actually. A lot of stuff coming out, and unfortunately, just not a whole lot of free time, at least on my end, to get out and uh, see a lot of it. But for at, at least you are able to sort of pick up the slack, and we can continue on doing shows and talking about films. Um, so, yeah, what films are we going to be talking about this week? Uh, for East Screen, we'll be talking about the Korean blockbuster, The Thieves, uh, and uh, the Hong Kong... China co-production, Passion Island, from uh, director Kum Kwok Lan. Um, and for West Screen, I will be talking about uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, starring Steve Carell. All right, that sounds great. All of that and a little bit more right after a bit of news. All right, so I lied. There's no real news this week because <laughs> I didn't have a lot of time to go out and track down news. Um, but we do have some films to cover. But, I mean, the, I guess, you know, the big news here in Hong Kong, though, has been it's been a very political week. Um, if you've been paying attention to international news that's focusing on Hong Kong at all, of course, you know that we've got protesters out protesting the national education curriculum. Uh, we had Election Day this past Sunday, and so that's kind of been in the news. And, of course, uh, today, I think, or when I was at work, they were talking about the uh, moving in the, the police to sweep out the Occupy uh, movement, which built out of the Occupy Wall Street movement. They were occupying, what was it, uh, HSBC or, or Bank of China, or one of the big banks in HSBC. Central. HSBC. Yeah, HSBC there in Central. And so they moved in today to finally clear them out. I think they got the legal precedent for it like a week or so ago. And so today the stormtroopers moved in and uh, they cleaned house or cleaned bank, as it were, right? <laughs> um, so a lot of stuff been going on here in the news. Nothing really that interesting for us, unless they start to make a movie about it, which I hope they do. You know, a Johnny Toe film about uh, occupying HSBC could be interesting, starring Lao Ching Wan. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, it's been a busy time because, as I mentioned, my family's here, and I took my dad out to a movie night, uh, which was great because, um, you know, I didn't think he'd be that into it, but he does listen to the show. To the show, and he says, you know, he says. Uh, he, you know, likes listening to some of the stuff we talk about, but he doesn't really grasp it because he doesn't have access to a lot of the movies, the East Screen films that we talk about. So he's like, yeah, I want to go. I want to see what this dynasty place is. And, you know, I want to meet meet the guys and, 
and see what it's like. And he had a great time. I mean, he laughed and, and, and he really, really enjoyed it. He liked going to the dynasty and, and the experience. And I took him over to the Vietnamese place that we sometimes eat at beforehand. And he really enjoyed the meal there. Um, so he had a big time and I was really pleased that, that he liked it. And boy, did we have a movie for him <laughs> for Dynasty Night. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit later, right? Yeah, you know, we, we always, when, we, when someone new, when someone new joins us, we always have like the worst movie. I think, um, when our last, uh, new, new joiner, I think was Michael from a 20th, 21st century, who yes. I think the block was his name. Yeah, 21st century. I think we watched, blog, uh, yeah. uh, what was it? Enchanted Camp, um, uh, a really bad film. I forgot what it was. <laughs> so, but it was really, really, really bad. But yes, whenever a new joiner, I want to, uh, I want to say, us, I wanna say uh, it was one of the one we of the, always have like a really terrible. My, my um, first film in the movie group was, I believe, a uh, Kung Fu Mahjong Three. What wasn't it? Wasn't it the uh, Malaysian with the Nat Chan, the Kung Fu movie? I love Wing Chun. I love Wing Chun. I'm pretty that, sure that, that was, was a it. terrible movie. Yeah, um, and we've scared some people off. Uh, we, we've yep. had a couple of people come out and never come back <laughs> because yes. we, they've had really bad movies. Um, yes. So, so, so your dad coming to join us means that you know they have to bring out the worst, the most bizarre movie, yes, and, ever and, made. And we were we were going to talk about that uh, a little bit later, um, but we are going to talk about some films. So, why don't we move on and talk about our first film for East Screen? East, Rain, West, Rain. All right, so up first we have, I don't know what you'd call this. I guess it's primarily a Korean production, but it does have a lot of people from all over the place. Um, and I guess, Kevin, you can tell us a little bit more about maybe some of the financing that went into it. Is this truly a global, a globalized production, an international production, uh, or how it sits in terms of, of what we would position it as? But it is definitely an East Screen film. And uh, that is the film The Thieves, which... By all accounts, I mean, I haven't seen it, unfortunately. I'm going to try and get out to see it later this week. But just by looking at the trailer, it very much looks like Ocean's Eleven in Asia, right? Except here, the Asia, the, the, instead of the Las Vegas casinos, it's the Macau casinos, right? Um, so, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about The Thieves and what you thought about it? Sure. Uh, the Thieves is actually a purely uh, South Korean production, um, Korean uh, financing, a Korean uh, director, uh, Korean writers, and um, Korean crew. Um, it is the latest film from director Choi Dong-hoon, who is actually known for um, his caper and gambling films. Uh, the first, His first one was a, The Big Swindle, which you can tell already is a caper film. And um, Tessa, The High Rollers, about the um, the underground gambling scene in, in South Korea. So this seems like very much a familiar territory to him, um, except for the much, much bigger scale. Um, the film stars Kim Young-suk, uh, who people, some of you might have seen uh, from The Yellow Sea. He's the bad guy who essentially kills everyone throughout the movie. Um, as Macau Park, the a, a well-known thief um, who has been in hiding for the last couple of years. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and a well-known... Um, Lockbreaker named, named Pepsi, played by Kim Hae-soo, who is in uh, Tessa the High Rollers. Um, just getting out of jail, uh, she is joined by... Uh, oh, she's... Um, I'm sorry, let me think. <laughs> she is uh, met by uh, a gang of uh, thieves led by Popeye, played by Lee Jong-jae. Um, and, and also, which also uh, includes um, Any Call, a, a, a professional wire walker played by Jana Jun or Ju Dong Hoon, uh, who we might know as the sassy girl in My Sassy Girl, um, and a middle-aged um, middle-aged uh, woman named uh, Chewing Gum played by Kim Hae Sook. Um, essentially, she is brought into a, a new heist run by Macau Park uh, that would take this whole gang of uh, Korean thieves to Macau. Uh, where they'll be joined by another group of Chinese thieves, played by Simon Yam, Derek Zhang, and Angelica Lee. It's going to take out a very expensive diamond, steal a very expensive diamond from um, uh, uh, from a rich woman who, is, who happens to be visiting Macau. Um, and that's essentially the, the main hook. Uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, character dynamics. Uh, you, you know... Many, many, many the Korean thieves don't trust Macau Park because of a previous uh, betrayal, and the Chinese thieves don't trust Macau Park because uh, of his reputation. Uh, meanwhile, no one trusts anyone inside the, the within the Korean gang or the Chinese gang. And of course, you got the the um, intercultural uh, uh, conflicts that arise from that. 
Um, but that's essentially it. It is a Korean and pan-Asian version of Ocean's Eleven, even though it is purely a Korean film. Um, the director, Choi Dong-hun, is, is very comfortable, clearly, in, in this genre. But um, it is essentially about the stars. There's a lot of big stars here. Um, like I said, Jiana Jun, um, uh, Kim Yong-suk, uh, kind of a rising middle-aged star. He was in The Chaser, uh, The Yellow Sea, and he's become uh, one of Korea's most popular actors of his age. Um, of course, Lee, Lee Jung-jae, who is more of a traditional, you know, handsome actor. He's the guy, with, he's pretty much the guy with a six-pack. He's the one who does the fan service shot of showing his six-pack. Uh, of course, you have on the Chinese side, you have Simon Yam, Derek Zhang, and Angelica Lee speaking English, Mandarin, and Cantonese at the same time. Um, so it is all about star, star power and, and the way that these stars interact and the chance of watching these stars sharing the, sharing the screen. Um, and but a choice script is actually more clever than it than it appears to be. Um, he does let give his stars a lot of room to breathe. Um, and if you know the stars and their reputation, uh, you know, for example, Simon Yam, um, he he's he's you know he's kind of like the cool, suave leading man, and he always gets you know younger female co-stars. But here he's actually teamed up with a uh, uh, Kim Hae Suk who plays the the middle aged the middle-aged uh, woman thief chewing gum, and they're paired as a couple. Uh, even one point where where Simon Yam, you know, has a slow motion um, uh, uh, action scene while holding her, you know, it's it's very much how they play. It's very much about how they play on stereotype. Um, even the, the the guy who does this Lee Jung Jae, the guy who who shows off his six pack, he doesn't even get to do any of the action. All the action goes to Kim Yong Suk, who is like I think in his. 40s maybe 50s now and he he's not exactly known for his you know figure he's kind of a little chubby um he gets the, he gets the, the movie's biggest action scene so it's, it's very interesting how um how Choi plays with these stereotypes and and actually the enjoyment of that really does depend on how much you know about the 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 works of the of these actors um the character dynamics are are interesting um they do dominate the first half of the film because it is all about setting up the, the heist unfortunately the main heist which involves you know some diversion and and people in makeup and things like that and running around casino you know after after the entire oceans trilogy you know it's very it's very tough to to top that kind of writing and the the main heist here doesn't doesn't top that you know can um I, can i jump in and ask a question um, sure. without really giving a spoiler one of my problems i have with heist films is that the plot the setup always you know and i'm thinking of um like the last uh, uh fast and furious film and i'm thinking of some of the you know some oceans 11s and, and other heist films a lot of times it seems like the plot, the, the the actual heist that they set up would take as much money to, you know, get all the materials and all the fancy gadgets and all the tools and everything in place. It would take as much money as they're trying to steal, if not more, <laughs> you know. Does it does it suffer from that kind of a, of a problem or is it taking sort of a, a more low tech but, uh, but uh, more of a, you know, a, a, a trying to use wits and smarts approach? Uh, it's yes and no because there are you know very um, elaborate stunts that they have to do um, and but yeah actually that is kind of where it's disappointing because after watching these these grandiose um, methods that the Ocean Scan come up with uh, in all these heist films um, this one kind of feels underwhelming especially the main main twist that comes um, and this this actually is the end of the second act so it's really not that big of a deal but that that twist you can kind of see a mile away. It is nothing really that surprising in the heist, especially in 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 the twist. So it, it kind of hurts the film because it is kind of the main event, so to speak. Um, yes, you're, it is a little more probable because yes, it's not it's not you know huge and exaggerated like you said, like you criticized about the the other films. I mean, Ocean's Thirteen. Remember, uh, they they had to bring in a drill to fake an earthquake. Yeah, you know, that that was pretty that was pretty ridiculous. Um, um, even though they do, they do explain that you know the the whole heist wasn't about the money; it was about revenge, blah blah. But um, yeah, here it, it, it is it is very improbable because it, it involves you know the wire walking and, and 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 the placement of these characters and and having to rely on coincidences and things like that. Um, you know, like all heist films, it's a, it's, um, it's pretty absurd. Um, but the problem is the heist isn't really elaborate enough. Or it's not interesting enough, so which which does end up hurting the characters, or it ends up hurting the rest of the film. 
Um, so, so, so yes, uh, it, it, it's not as improbable, but the promise is not as elaborate as it should, could have been, I think. It's not, or it's not as interesting as it could have been. Um, but however, it does finally deliver on the action in the last 45 minutes. The action scenes um, are, are done essentially, I think, more. They waited until they went back to Korea because I guess they couldn't shoot a lot of the action in Macau. There is there is some action in Macau, but it's not as nowhere near as good. I think some of it is even green screened because they couldn't pull it off in, in on the real streets of Macau. Um, they 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 leave a lot of it for the for the final final um, forty five minutes in 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 Korea. Um, the cast is pretty strong, um, even the non Korean speakers. Uh, I think Gianna June is the best part of the film by far. Um, she kind of has this. She has moved on from that you know the young sassy girl stereotype uh and Has she's she a moved very, on uh, from blood say what Has she moved on from blood oh thank i don't remember <laughs> if she made that movie this is the i was telling people this is the first time i remember her being a movie since my sassy girl mm. i've seen multiple movies i think after that that she's in but i don't remember any of them so this is the first time i actually remember her being in a movie this is her first memorable performance i think in 10 years maybe um so so she is really the, and and to to stand out like that in such a huge cast is is a really impressive feat i think um kim Jong suk um like i say he has, he has the, the the movie's biggest action scene but a problem he but a problem is he suffers his character really suffers because it's written so he is kind of uh as macau park he is kind of a mystery character you don't really know where there's a good guy or a bad guy until the end and that really hurts his character as the action hero or as the hero of the film um, so, so, um, even Simon Yam is quite good, um, and, and of course, uh, Angelica Lee is okay, um, she actually has a bigger role than Simon Yam here, um, Derek Zung is, is the team player, he, he gets his, he does his scene, you know, he does his scene okay, but he doesn't really get a chance to stretch, um, so, so, you know, no, no real weak link, uh, across the board, um, is a pretty strong film, especially for, for a movie where everyone wants, wants their own moment. Um, I can see why it's a hit in Korea because of all the all the star dynamic and the star power and and how entertaining it all is. Um, but I, it's hard to say about how well it would do elsewhere. Um, if you don't know who these stars are, um, uh, I I'm not sure if anyone will be able to see it. It's not really that great of a heist film outside of that. Um, so it's hard to hard to I can it's hard for me to predict how well it would do uh, or how well it would travel outside of Korea or even Hong Kong. Um, so, you know, in the end, it's, it's a entertaining, it's a fun blockbuster. Um, so see it if you're familiar with at least some of the actors, um, at least with Simon Yam and Juggly and Derek Zung. Um, everyone else, um, TV it. Um, I can, oh, again, the, the language-wise, um, I can tell you that um, many of the Mandarin-speaking characters are Korean, so if you're trying to, if you're a Mandarin speaker, you may be distracted by some of the really bad Mandarin or the bad Chinese on hmm. display here. Now, why do you, why do you think they did that? No, I think I think this need to cast Korean actors, uh, even in some of the Chinese speaking roles. It was very strange, but the Korean actors, um, the Korean characters having to speak Mandarin, I can understand because they have to, you know, they're supposed to be able to communicate with the the, the Chinese characters, so I can understand that. But for some of the Chinese Chinese characters, they casted um, Korean actors, which is kind of confusing to me. Hmm. I guess because they didn't know they didn't know or they didn't have time to cast decent Chinese speaking actors. I I, I well, I'm, I'm I'm not sure why. But yeah, it, it'll be a little distracting to hear these you know Korean people, clearly Korean people, speaking Chinese. Uh, Kenneth in the chat room asks about the running time. Is it overly long? Uh, it's about 135 minutes. Wow, so it long. does feel a little long. But, um, but you know, they pack so much plot and so many people in there. So it, feels, it doesn't feel like it's unearned. Uh, actually, I don't, I don't understand. You know, Korean films are not, they're not, you know, liberal with their running time. I think 120, 135 minutes, is, even 135 minutes is kind of long for a Korean film. Mm. so um but like i said you, you could you do get your money's worth in that sense because every every star gets their own moment and the, i guess the big question is how come rain's not in this movie <laughs> i think it was in the army that's why ah i see i see yes. uh all right so yeah i'm 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 gonna try and get out and see it uh fairly soon i'm a big fan of uh gianna jun uh despite her 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 terrible uh, role in uh, Blood, which wasn't really her fault. It was more uh, 
just a badly directed film. Yeah, uh, if, you, if you like Jenna June, you're going you're gonna to like this movie a lot. Yeah. A lot. All right, looking forward to it. All right, that brings us to our second East Screen film this week, and boy, what a film it is. Uh, also starring Simon Yam, uh, except this time maybe we should call him Simon Ham, uh, <laughs> because we're talking about a, a complete shift in terms of film styles and tones. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about Passion Island. Uh, the story tells of... Oh, hell, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I guess it wants to be an anthology of love stories that take place on this this island called Passion Island, uh, not to be confused with uh, Fantasy Island or Temptation Island. And probably if you spent time watching either of those shows, you'd be more thoroughly entertained. Uh, This movie, you're just going to spend a lot of time scratching your head going, what the H? What, you know, what just happened? Um, this is really a strange film. And it's it was fun for us. And as I mentioned, my dad watched it with us. It was fun for him because of us. We were having a ball with it. But I think if you were in the theater watching this on your own, or you were watching this, you know, back on, 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 on a TV by yourself, um, you'd be kicking yourself because it's just a weird, weird movie. Um so first, it's broken down, and you can see this if you look at the poster. It's broken down into, as I said, it's 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 following pairs of characters. the 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 main pair um, is Joan Chen, American Chinese American actress Joan Chen, uh, who plays Joanna. And uh, the other weird thing too is that the characters are all playing characters where the their name is derivative of their actual name. Um, so Joan Chen plays Joanna. Simon Yam plays Simon Boss or Boss Simon. Boss Simon. Um, and, um, he is the boss of, of, uh, the, this place, uh, Passion Island. And I wasn't really clear what his job was. They never really explained. I guess he's a land developer or something. And his, his partner, his wife, or Joanna, is, wife. yeah, is, is, she's like a, a super environmentalist now. She, she wants to save the world. Um, and so she sees what he's doing in terms of developing the island as bad and, and harmful to the planet and harmful to whales that live in the ocean. And especially because now he's discovered this thing called passion weed. I still don't know what passion weed is. I just know it's weed and it glows and it has magic dust. And if that's not enough to intrigue you about this movie, then I don't know what will be because it's just weird. Um, they never really get into explaining what passion weed is, but, but he makes people on the island eat passion weed. <laughs> they don't <laughs> or, smoke or it. keep it in their rooms so yeah. that the fairy dust. He, he, he keeps it in, in, in their rooms and he makes salad out of it. He makes passion weed salad. Um, so there's a lot of tension between him and his wife. She's leaving him, but then they get back together in moments of nostalgia and then she's going to leave him again. Um, and so, yeah, they're relationship is really weird and sometimes it seems like they're alluding that these characters are something else but it's it's never really clear i mean and a lot of the time simon yam's character uh boss simon spends his time in a hot air balloon over the island looking (laughs) at people through binoculars it's just weird it's such strange strange nonsense um and he and he spends most of his time wearing sort of these funky robes and speedo shorts right so simon wears uh, sports a speedo if you've ever wanted to see him doing that uh, then you're going to get that in this movie um, Speedos. Oh my God. yeah so that that sets up sort of the first uh story uh, the second story is the goddaughter of joan chen's character joanna uh, played by janice mann and i believe her name was janice but we don't really find that out until uh later in the film and she is assigned as a guide for Chang Chen's character, who's, what was his name, Chun or something? Churn. Churn, yeah. Churn. Um, and he goes around speaking, you know, you just talked about Koreans speaking Mandarin in The Thieves. Well, now we've got a Mandarin speaker trying to speak Korean in this <laughs> film, right? So uh, a strange bit of a, of, of, of a reversal here. Um, I don't speak Korean, so I don't know. It much of their storyline 
is depicted based on it's making fun of things like uh, Korean TV dramas. And I, I, I did get some laughs out of, of, of a few of those moments, but um, there, there's just some really ridiculous things. Like at one moment, there's a, there, there, there's CG tears, CGI tears, right? They couldn't even get the actors to cry. They had to physically or, or, or virtually put on tears on, on their face. And it was just so ridiculous. And then the basis of their story is that this character has come to look for a car on Passion Island. And that car is somehow related to an ex-flame of his. And Janice gets assigned to sort of taking him around looking for this car. Um, And he's, he's like trying to be sort of a rebel, a bad boy character. He's got like a tattoo above his left eye. You can kind of see it if you look at the poster that says, this is art, (laughs) right? Um, Why? I don't know. They don't explain any of this. And he treats Janice really poorly. He treats her. And, and I guess, again, that's supposed to be sort of the the Korean masculinity showing through. And, of course, she will look all, all bummed out and pouty, but then she'll dream about him in sort of Korean TV drama terms. Um, and so she sort of has these very romanticized notions of, of him as a Korean male. Um and so, yeah, that sets up sort of their their story, which is is really weird. Um, and then a little bit later, we get introduced to uh, the third storyline, which is uh, veteran Hong Kong actor Francis M. And who was the girl? Uh, who was his wife? Uh, Song Jia. Yeah. Song-ja. So she is. Um, she is, I guess, an ex dancer who's we find out right at the start is now paralyzed. And she is trying to pray for a miracle, and uh, her par- her paralysis is causing her to have trouble with her husband. And uh, they are, you know, uh, th- th- there's a really kind of odd scene where he's trying to be passionate with her, and it, it was just uncomfortable um, in in many ways. And then. I really never understood the context or the nature of their story in in, in regards to the other stories. It, it seemed like that storyline, they were really trying to play for drama and for a sense of realism, while the other two storylines were just kind of wacky and weird. And that storyline never really seemed to fit with the tone of the rest of the film for me. Um, uh, I think she wanted to use the, uh, the, the, the passion weed to cure her. Or something yeah and and again going back to the passion we never really we never really understand what that is it's never really fully explained at one time there's like fairy dust flying through the air and there's no rhyme or reason to it uh um and then whales show up yeah we, we, we get a very nice uh uh fake looking whale on the beach that people are trying to rescue <laughs> Um, and then at some points, there's just so much narrative in, in incoherence. It's, um, it sh- at, at times, characters will be talking and it shifts to black and white. And the fonts will, the, the subtitles will shift into different fonts. And you're trying, this will happen and you're trying to go, what does that mean? And then it just goes back to being normal and, and it doesn't really seem to mean anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I've seen some weird movies before. In my day, but this one really takes the cake. I mean, I'm thinking back to stuff we've made fun of before, like um, you know, uh, um, Mysterious Island or uh, Virtual Recall, and th- th- this, from a narrative standpoint, makes Virtual Recall look like a masterpiece. <laughs> it seriously does. I still, by the end, I really had no idea what they were trying to do, where they were trying to go. You know, the characters were together or not together and, and the whole passion weed thing. I just didn't understand any of it. All I know was that if you ever wanted to see Simon Yam wearing a bathrobe and walking around in a Speedo in a hot air balloon, this is the movie for you. Um, yeah, and I had to explain to my dad. I'm like, Dad, you, you don't understand. These are Simon Yam, Francis, and these are veteran actors. These are guys who've done masterful work, serious work. They've won awards. And I really had to convince him of this. <laughs> you know afterwards um so yeah it's it is just an odd odd movie and i would say see it but only (laughs) after we've done a commentary for it (laughs) 
<laughs> and I can guarantee you there will be a commentary for this film coming soon. As soon as this puppy hits some form of video, uh, me and Mr. Ma and, and any other parties that are interested are going to get together and do a commentary. Because if ever a film deserved a commentary, this is that film. Kevin. Um, give me a minute as I, as I try to look up um, uh, uh, Come Court Learns, uh, director Come Court Learns Legacy. Here it is a veteran uh, writer director who's written you know some of the best uh, best films in uh, in Hong Kong's uh, Hong Kong films uh, Hong Kong television as well as an actor he was in um, the he was in Purple Storm um, as the as the villain uh, he was also the director of um, uh, let's see he was the writer of Don't Look. Now the couples. He was a producer of. Um, anyway, he, he has a long, long history, and those thirty years of legacy were completely thrown out the minute I saw Passion Island. <laughs> yes, uh, this is the most bizarre film I have seen since Virtual Recall. I was afraid actually before when I saw the trailer that it would be some conventional romance omnibus, you know, with you know tear jerkers and. And you know, bad comedy, and you know, uh, um, terminal illness, and all that crap, and um, and then and then I wish that it was just some uncon- you know, just some unconventional or no, just some conventional romance omnibus. Well, I wish and you know, was- the one thing that there was one thing that I forgot to mention that they did touch on is that each of the storylines they would show like a DVD of a classic film, right? Like the Red Shoes or. Um, what were what were some of the other, north by northwest right didn't the film open open with one of with with uh janice wearing or, or was it the other actress wearing a, a blonde wig and a very fake um cgi biplane like yes. rushing down the highway and in that classic scene from from north by northwest no, and also uh, I think a take on body heat the where the one where um Janice is standing next to the window of the the, the 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 thing the ball ha- swinging between her legs and then then Chen Chen smashing doing his Hulk smash in the <laughs> the wooden cabin door. Yeah, I think that's body heat. I know. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is nonsensical from beginning to end. I mean, Chen Chen is speaking Korean. Uh, his this is art tattoo. His uh industrial gray urination on the car for no reason. The um the paintings of monkeys eating corn. Um. The scene of Joe Chen and Simon Yam wandering around Kumquat Lun's DVD shelf, talking talking for five minutes about movies they like. You know, like like it's some bad Tarantino knockoff. I, I can't imagine anyone agreeing to sign on to this movie after they read the script. I think I think you know Kumquat Lun probably calls them and go, "Hey, you want to be in my movie?" And then they said, "Sure," and then they didn't get the script until the day they're shooting, and then they realized that this nonsense right there, you know. At professional because then they'll probably get paid. This is the only reason why why Francis Ng and and, and, and Simon Yam and Joan Chen are even in this movie. I, I I am convinced that this is it. Um, this isn't just a bad movie. It is one of the most incompetent films made by a professional filmmaker starring a professional actors I have ever seen. Okay, this isn't this is this isn't you know Troll Two or you know uh, um uh, Mano's Hands of Fate. This is you know these are award-winning actors, people who have won awards, people with decades of experience who have made good things, and then they come up with, you know, this is the most incompetent film I've seen in years done by professionals. I went to film school, so I have to give it a disclaimer. <laughs> with, with that said, it is also some of the most fun I've had in the cinema. I think this this um this is easily Dynasty Award contender of the year. Because I, I can't imagine anyone wanting to see this movie without a friend, you know, people like, you know, us in a movie group going to a 900-seat theater with only seven other people and then just, just howling from beginning to end. It is one of the most fun I had in the Dynasty Cinema. Um, seriously, I, I, I think a com- I'm afraid that a commentary done by us would simply be 90 minutes of us going, what the f- the whole time. <laughs> but it needs to be done. It demands to be done. See, Ross is sitting next to me, Kozo is sitting next to me, and half the time, all he'll say is, what the f*** is happening? <laughs> I, I, I was in a chat room, I just said, why is Paul trying to decipher the plot of this movie? Yeah, the, you know, 
Part of the one, but you know, why it, the, the, the plot makes any sense? Uh, well, I don't remember if it was you. I was you. telling a uh, friend of the show, Tim Young, he said that he was telling us on the um on WhatsApp that four yeah him he was in four other people in the Dynasty Cinema, and two people walked out during the whale scene. <laughs> the, you know, the, I don't remember if it was you or or, or one of, one of the other people who were with us who had said, um. You know that they thought that maybe that this film was trying to be very experimental and 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 trying to be in some way Wong Kar Wai-ish in some aspects. You know, with 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 you know changing some of the 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 cameras and things that they were doing and, and shifting to black and white and changing the subtitles. But it it totally comes off as laughable. It doesn't really work, right? It, it comes off as some really bad, um, 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 it, it, it felt like Kumquat Lung was on passion weed from beginning to end, mm. I think. I think he was probably smoking some of that weed, and then, and then probably came up with the passion weed idea. Um, it, it, it's really amazing. Yeah, well, uh, you know. And how much, and uh, uh, Tim even asked us, and we saw the gag at the end. He asked us, did you guys see the gag at the end? Someone was credited for continuity. That's the gag of the movie. Um, it, it, it is just so, so much fun. And did we um, figure out where it was being filmed? Um, I think part of it was from right? Macau. I think they were, they were trying desperately to, to avoid the um, Macau street signs, Macanese street signs. Uh, and, and they, and, but then you, you can recognize the, 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 um, the architecture, I think, mm. everywhere. Uh, otherwise, I, th- I think some of the islands, I think I saw... Um, a resort in the Philippines get special thanks, so possibly a mix of those two those two uh, locations. Either way, anywhere they go is a waste of money. <laughs> I think they 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 spent the most money on that rubber whale, and the oh, the rubber whale <laughs> followed by the CGI shot of the rubber whale getting held out two thousand feet in the air, <laughs> two thousand feet in the air. <laughs> I told I told uh, Tim that they should do a midnight screening of the film um, Une, you know, with a, with a wardrobe exhibition of Simon's jackets and and passion weed lit uh, passed out dirt before the screening. Yeah, and helicopter and a, hel- and a helicopter in the whale before I, the movie. I, I, I seriously wonder if the director wasn't really smoking some kind of passion weed when he was doing this film because yeah it just it oh it's out there it is really out there and i've seen some films that are out there before but this is just like nothing i've seen yeah i i think i think it makes virtual virtual recall you can actually understand the story as weird as the filmmaking as you can tell there's a story here it's just like where's this movie going and not not in this unpredictable i want to know way it's just where is this going why is there 50 minutes left wait <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, see if our commentary, or if you're morbidly curious, like Kenneth certainly is in the chat room. Um, otherwise, really avoid it, like, like SARS and the plague combined. Yeah, like act as if you're in a room where uh, there's a SARS sufferer and then someone with the plague, and they're both walking in your direction. That's how. That's the. That's the. That's the um, intensity you should be avoiding this film. So there you have it, folks. You've got two Simon Yam movies to choose from. Choose wisely. All right, I think it is time to move on. Let me play this. All right, uh, we've got one West Screen film for this week, Seeking a Friend at the End of the World. Uh, Now, Kevin, I haven't had a chance to see this, so the ball is back in your court. I'm I'm still trying to get over... uh... Let's try to get over passion out. Take take a hit of passion weed, buddy. <laughs> okay, seeking a uh, seeking a friend for the end of the world. Um, is the latest film from uh the director of Nick and Norris. Uh, Infinite Play- Playlist. I think that's the that's the name. Um, yeah, Nick and Norris. Uh, uh Infinite Playlist. Um, a young director named uh Lorene Scafara Scafaria. Um, the play the film is uh takes place um. Three weeks before the end of the world, apparently an asteroid is heading towards Earth, and um, the film begins when the final um, mission to try and stop the asteroid fails, and uh, Earth is heading for you know century destruction. Um, so Steve Carell starred as Dodge Peterson. Uh, he's an insurance salesman. 
uh, who is still trying to live life regularly, even though humanity is about to end. Um, and he's trying to make it through day to day. Um, and in this uh, three weeks, uh, so he he managed to meet his neighbor, uh, Penelope, Penny, uh, played by Kieran Knightley, who, is, uh, who just broke up with her boyfriend and is suffering from own relationship issues. Um, when a riot breaks out um, in the city, uh, the two uh, run off um, as Dodge promises uh, uh, Penny that uh, he knows some of an airplane that can take her back to they can fly her to England to see her family um, if she agrees to drive him to see uh, his high school sweetheart, uh, which is essentially the one that got away. So the two take off on an impromptu road trip uh, through the end of the world. Um, really, really dark humor in the first half. Um, you know, you can kind of expect this with this premise. Um, there's suicide and, and people, you know, dying in all kinds of ways. And this really dark humor and showing how different people deal with the end of the world in a really absurd uh, manner. Like, they walk into um, a kind of a TGI Friday's like, like restaurant and they're staying open, but they're all, all the waiters are drunk or high. And then they kind of, they, and then they break out into an orgy at one point um really really dark stuff um which i really like i don't know i i'm not sure if some people are comfortable with this kind of humor um in this kind of premise but i really like it and as a hong kong film watcher uh the abrupt change in tone you know from from dark comedy to 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 uh disaster movie to um romantic comedy to romantic drama i i thought i had no problem with the, the abrupt change in tone um, the, the chemistry between Steve Carell, who's kind of deadpan, and Keira Knightley um, is surprisingly good, even though they don't seem like an ideal romantic couple, I guess. Um, you know, they're quite good. Um, even though I wish that the film didn't veer into a romance, um, I would have preferred if the film kind of stuck to the friendship angle rather than the romance angle, but it does what it does. Um, and fortunately, they do have the chemistry to, to, to carry it off. Um, some really good emotional moments, um, which is strange, like I said, because of the, the dark humor. Um, but the last 10 minutes need a really good one more run. The, I think the script for the last 10 minutes really need the, uh, another edit, um, another change. The ending is kind of a rough, but I do like the idea that, you know, in this situation, um, there's nothing, there is no surprise here. Um, there is no happy ending. Um, but they somehow kind of find a happy ending within this 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 impossibility of finding a happy ending. And I kind of like that, even though the the ending is is really flawed. Um, it's hard to say whether I like it or not. I don't think I'll see it again. Um, the film does drag at places. Um, it's not. It doesn't have the good, really great moments to to earn really repeat viewings. Um, uh, but I think I lean towards liking it because of the dark humor, um, and I can see why other people won't like it. Um, so, you know, I, I think I like it, but I would give it a hesitant recommendation. Um, I think it's at least worth TVing it, uh, and if you like the stars, then it's definitely worth uh, seeing the cinema. Um, I, I'm sorry to see that it flopped in the States, but I guess the, the subject matter isn't really for everyone. But I think it's a really interesting film. Um, sadly, no sci-fi elements, Paul, but I think, still, I think it's... Um, interesting idea really well, so you mean well, you mean like ben affleck doesn't go up with bruce willis to stop the asteroid that's what i like i think they they suggested the idea of a space shuttle the the beginning is is the space shuttle mission essentially like an armageddon style mission failing before the, the space shuttle even reaches the asteroid i like mm. and i kind of i kind of like that that reference to to armageddon but that's that's as, as, as close as it gets to to a sci-fi Mm. Um, otherwise there's some, you know, I think there are enough strong moments, um, to recommend the film. I mean, um, how, but, how would you compare it with other Steve Carell comedies? Cause I know for some people, Steve Carell has a very s distinct style of humor that may not appeal to people. Um, and we've seen him in things like, you know, 40 year old virgin and, uh, the, the get smart films and, and some of the other stuff he's done. How, how do you see it? in the body of work that he's done so far. I'm not sure if I've seen all his comedy. I saw one with him and Juliette Binoche. Mm -hmm. I've got the, the title of that. Um, of course, he's done the Get Smart, uh, things like that. But this is easily way, way, way darker than those stuff that I've seen. Um, Get Smart, you know, is some action comedy. Um, the Juliette Binoche film is a, is a very small, uh, small, very light, light relationship uh, comedy. That one is actually also quite good, but I keep I forgot 
the name of it. I'm sure. I'm sure Dave or someone who listens to the show would tell us on the on the Facebook page or in the comment section. But um, this is way darker, way way darker um, than than his previous work. So it is a very, but you know, it's still his his style of acting. You know, very deadpan. Um, he is he is both the straight man and the comic. Some of his reaction is really great to see, but a lot more serious and a lot more and and a lot darker than than what one might expect from a Steve Carell comedy, I suppose. It's very much a dramedy more than a comedy. Yeah. Dramedy. Dramedy. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I'll have to try and uh, check it out. If I ever get any free time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for our film reviews this week. So let me play this. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but did we have a subtitle of the week this week from uh, Passion Island? We have multiple, <laughs> but I think the one that I remember the most. Well, let me play. Uh, let me play the. Let me let me play the bumper. What? What? Huh? This week in subtitles. Do you remember what it was? Because at one point of the film, Janice Mann says, "My record is serving thirty customers at the same time." <laughs> I have no She's idea. She's actually talking about her being a tour guide, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes. Um, when Janice Matt Hall surveyed 30 customers at the same time um, my mind went somewhere else I'm not sure where your mind would go oh. my mind went to Passion Island <laughs> <laughs> Was it, which I guess is where it should be um, alright so yeah it's, uh, wow I mean it's the, the fact that it's still stuck in our brains it, I, I think it's, vis- it's somehow visually scarred us for life um, the, the film has, has almost every other subtitle had a misspelling yeah. So, you know, there it, are tons of subtitles a week, but but the one that didn't have any misspelling it just sounded wrong. Yeah. It's probably that um, It was really bad subtitles. I don't know who they who they commissioned to do it, but it was like 19, 1980 subtitles. It was like Sleazy K would enjoy kind of subtitles. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for, for this week, folks. A short show. I do apologize. Uh, we didn't have a, a lot of news and things to talk about, uh, but I've got the family in the other room, and I do have to attend to some duties, uh, diaper duties, uh, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, the, of course, you can, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can visit us over at the website. That's www.kongcast.com. And we'd love to hear from you over on iTunes. You can drop by and leave us some feedback there. Leave us a four, five, three, two, one star review, whatever you think is appropriate. Um, of course, uh, if you give us a five star review, that helps us out and gets us a little bit more notice. Um, Twitter.com slash Concast to follow along with the show on Twitter for updates and schedules of when we're going to be recording live and when the podcasts uh, get updated and when the website gets updated as well. Uh, I would urge you to follow Mr. Kevin Ma, twitter.com slash thegoldenrock, uh, to follow along with what he does and some of the movie news and information that he posts uh, on a daily basis. And, of course, if you'd like to direct uh, your uh, emails at us, that is uh, eastscreen at gmail.com. We'd be happy to hear from you, some comments, some questions. You can even send us in a short audio file or review, and we might just play it here on the show. Also, you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com, east s, uh, facebook.com slash east s, east s, I can't say it. East s, west s. Thank you. I've been smoking too much passion weed. Um, And of course, uh, if you are in Hong Kong and you'd like to be part of the movie night events uh we do have i do now post them as events on google plus so just drop me a line on google plus and i can include you uh in the events circle 
Uh, also, if you are iTunes averse, of course, you can catch us on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, your WebOS phone, maybe even an iPhone 5 after this week. Uh, that is because Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, it is the smarter way to listen to radio. We thank them for their support of our little show. Additional thanks go out to Rob Govers of Schnauzer Studios for our theme. Ross Chen of LoveHKFilm.com for keeping us out and about and taking us to see movies like Passion Island. And, of course, uh, The K-Man for sticking with me for 124 episodes and watching Passion Island with me as well. Uh, and, of course, you, the listeners, uh, for being with us each and every week, whether you listen to us live, whether you're in the chat room, and, again, a big shout-out to the chat room, all the guys in there tonight, um, or you get us in podcast form, we appreciate uh, that you're out there and that you're enjoying the show. Next episode, 124, we're going to be looking at uh, a couple films, I think, uh, Kevin. We're going to finally get to see The Bullet Vanishes, right? Uh, maybe The Expendables 2 and uh, the big one on my list, uh, Resident Evil 5 Regurgitation. No, that's not right. Uh, Retribution, I think it is. Uh, and uh, there's probably a ton of other stuff, too, that we could probably get out and talk about. Is there anything I'm forgetting about? Uh, let me think. No, nothing worth yeah. I, I'm surprised you even remember Resident Evil 5 is coming out. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. It was excited. like two years ago. I'm, I'm excited. I love Resident Evil movies, even though they are just overdone and, and more of the same. Yeah, but the movies are totally different. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a sport. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to review the ending of Resident Evil 5 right now, Paul. Okay. There will be a Resident Evil number six. Oh, damn you. That is the ending of Resident <laughs> Evil 5. <laughs> now, actually, uh, I've heard, uh, I don't know if it was through one of the Comic Cons or something, but Mila Jovich and her husband talked about it. I think she's going to do one more, uh, and she's, she's they're going to uh, close out, apparently they're going to plan to close out her character arc with number six, but the series will continue on without her. So, Oh my god, spoilers for the next three movies! Yes, fear not fans of zombie killing monster goodness, uh, your Resident Evils, at least according to the latest from Miss Jovich, are good to go for years and years and years on end. Um, but yeah, I'm going to wait for pa uh, for Passion Island 2. That's what I want to see now. Virtual Recall 2, my writer. Or, as, as I mentioned in the chat room, Simon Yam in Around the World in 80 Days. Just Simon Yam, his Speedo, and a balloon. That's all I need. <laughs> Alright, all of that... And much more. And we promise not to talk any more about Passion Island until we do a commentary. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. And stay away from the Passion Weed. <laughs>